Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Josh, a park ranger stationed in the beautiful Yosemite National Park. It has always been my dream to protect and preserve the natural wonders of this place. Little did I know that one fateful night would forever change my perception of the park. It was a calm evening, and I was patrolling the vast wilderness, keeping a watchful eye on the park's visitors. As I made my rounds, I noticed an unusual stillness in the air, as if nature itself was holding its breath. I couldn't shake off the eerie feeling that something was amiss. As I continued my patrol, I stumbled upon a narrow path that seemed unfamiliar. Curiosity got the better of me, and against my better judgment, I decided to follow it. The path led me deeper into the heart of the park, away from the bustling crowds and into the embrace of nature's secrets. The further I walked, the thicker the air became, filled with a strange scent that sent shivers down my spine. It was an odor I had never encountered before, a putrid stench reminiscent of rotting flesh. It clung to the very fabric of the forest, making each step more unbearable than the last. Just as I was about to turn back, a silhouette emerged from the shadows, towering over me with an otherworldly presence. The figure was impossibly tall, its limbs elongated and disjointed. It stood before me, its eyes burning like hot coals in the darkness. Fear paralyzed me as I gazed into those fiery depths, feeling as if it could peer into the depths of my soul. Without warning, the figure beckoned me forward, guiding me with an unspoken invitation into a nearby cave. Reluctantly, I followed, compelled by an unknown force that I couldn't resist. The cave was a labyrinth of shadows, the air thick with the same nauseating odor that had accompanied the figure. The walls seemed to close in around me, suffocating me with an overwhelming sense of dread. 
Suddenly, as if releasing its grip, the figure dropped me onto the cold cave floor and vanished into the darkness. My heart raced and I scrambled to my feet, stumbling my way out of the treacherous cavern. I emerged back into the night, gasping for breath and covered in cold sweat. The figure was gone, leaving only lingering questions and an indescribable sense of unease. Little did I know that while I was entangled in that surreal encounter, my father was battling his own demons. News reached me that very night, as I emerged from the depths of the cave, that my father had suffered a fatal stroke. The world around me seemed to collapse, and grief consumed my every thought. Since that night, I have been plagued by the memories of that encounter and the untimely loss of my father. Yosemite, once a place of solace and wonder, has become a haunting reminder of the strange and unexplained. I continue my duties as a park ranger, but the shadows now hold a deeper meaning, and the unknown lurks just beyond the reach of my understanding. Here's what happened. I was at work one day when my co-worker started talking about a strange creature he had seen. Curiosity piqued, I asked him to describe the creature in detail. As he told me about it, I couldn't help but think it sounded familiar. I pulled up a picture of the Mothman on my phone and showed it to him, asking if the creature he saw looked anything like that. To my surprise, he said it did. Intrigued, I asked him to contact his friends who had been with him during the sighting and show them the picture as well. They all separately confirmed that what they saw looked exactly like the Mothman. My co-worker then recounted the entire story. Two years ago, in the city of Wilmington, California, near a massive RCO refinery, my co-worker and three of his friends were hanging out in his backyard at around 2 a.m. One of them happened to look up and spotted a winged creature flying above them. He said it didn't do anything out of the ordinary, but it circled their group about five times before heading north toward the city of Torrance, where the Los Angeles International Airport is located. He added that they saw the creature again later that night, at around 4.35 a.m. This time, it repeated its circling behavior, but only went around them two or three times before flying off towards the city of Long Beach. They never saw the creature again after that. My co-worker then mentioned that he thought he might have seen the Mothman again a week later, but he wasn't entirely sure, so he didn't provide any further details. The story left me feeling both fascinated and uneasy. The Mothman, a creature of urban legend, had always been something I read about but never truly believed in. However, hearing my co-worker's account and the corroborations from his friends, I couldn't help but wonder if there was some truth to the legend. What was this winged creature that had appeared in Wilmington, and why was it circling my co-worker and his friends? I found myself looking up into the sky more often, scanning the horizon for any sign of the mysterious creature. The possibility that the Mothman was real sent a shiver down my spine, and I couldn't help but feel that the world was filled with more mysteries than I could ever truly comprehend. I want to share my story. Approximately five years ago, I was driving home from my job as a correctional officer at Cook County Jail in Chicago, Illinois. My shift ended at 11 p.m. and it took me approximately 35-45 minutes to drive home from work. As I always did, I would call my wife and let her know I was safe from my shift and typically she would keep me company on my Bluetooth while I drove home. Every night when I drove home, I took Midlothian Turnpike, a few blocks out the exit of the expressway. Midlothian Turnpike will also lead you to the location of Bachelors Grove Cemetery. Please research Bachelors Grove Cemetery. As I drove past Bachelors Grove Cemetery, a figure which I can only describe as a pterodactyl flew over across my car and across the road into the woods on the other side of the street. I screamed as I thought I was going to hit something. My wife is still on the phone now yelling asking me what is going on and if I was okay. I had to get my bearings together, but I was so scared. I thought about stopping at the gas station ahead, but I knew I was close to home. When I got home we got a good laugh about it. 
Two days ago, I told this story to my boss. He asked if I knew what what Mothman was. I heard of it, but wasn't familiar on its stories. When I look back now, many things happened that I believe may have been a result of my encounter. I probably won't talk about this again as I don't expect anyone to believe me, and I don't want to feed it any energy to come back. Thank you for being open-minded. If any om here would like to know more or know someone who may want this info, please message me here. The legend of the Skinwalker has always sent shivers down my spine. As a member of the Algonquin tribes, it's a tale I've heard countless times. It speaks of a sinister entity that can take the form of any creature it desires. It's said to be an evil witch, punished for using forbidden magic and doomed to roam the earth, sowing discord and feeding on fear. In our tribe, the Skinwalker and the Wendigo are often spoken of in the same breath. Both are embodiments of our darkest fears. The Wendigo, a creature born of insatiable greed and cannibalism, is a grim reminder of the dangers of letting our desires overcome us. Despite the passing of generations, the terror these entities evoke remains ever-present, a shadow cast upon our people, especially when venturing into the vast, untamed wilderness of our ancestral lands. Not long ago, a group of ten friends, outsiders all of them, decided to camp in these very woods. They crossed paths with me on their way. I noticed their excitement, their laughter echoing through the trees, a stark contrast to the quiet reverence we natives held for this land. I felt it was my duty to warn them about the legends, about the skinwalker and wendigo that lurked in our folklore. Their response was nothing short of mockery. They laughed it off, joking about these fairy tales, their voices filled with youthful arrogance. I watched them go, a sinking feeling in my heart. Their first night was filled with joy, but as the days passed, their laughter faded, replaced by an eerie silence. The tranquil forest began to whisper tales of terror. They reported strange noises, horrifying visions, and an unsettling feeling of being watched. Then, one by one, they began to disappear. Despite the growing fear, they refused to leave their pride blinding them to the direness of their situation. One night, after the last embers of their campfire had died out, they all vanished. It was I who found their abandoned campsite. Tents torn apart, their belongings scattered haphazardly, and a chilling silence hanging in the air. Search parties were formed, and after days of combing the forest, we found them. Their lifeless bodies were a grim testament to their hubris. The legend of the Skinwalker and the Wendigo is not just a story. It's a warning, a lesson about respect and humility. These friends learned it too late. Their fate serves as a chilling reminder to all who dare to venture into these woods, ignorant and dismissive of the ancient spirits that dwell within. So my town is surrounded by a creek. A few blocks away is a cliff. I walked to the cliff and began exploring in the woods. I was only 12 at the time and alone by the way I'm a girl. Basically I was extra vulnerable. I was climbing down rocks taking pictures making my way to the large creek below. I found a waterfall with a pipe over it so I crawled on the pipe walking over the waterfall. I noticed graffiti and beer cans so I knew people had previously been there. I felt safe and comfortable. It was bright as day, so I had no worries. I also found a cement hut in the middle of the woods, which was creepy. I was making my way out when I decided that I wanted to take some more photos of the forest. So I went under this huge rock to take more photos when all of a sudden it sounded like people yelping. I got a little scared, but continued to take pictures. I crawled across the pipe over the waterfall again to get pictures. This pipe was about 15 feet above the waterfall but if I fell onto the waterfall, I would have fell another five feet and probably drowned. So what I was doing was really risky. No one would have been there to help me. As I was taking a video of the waterfall while standing on the pipe, I hear two men making their way over to my location. I got so scared I almost shit my pants. Then one of them yells, who the F is that? 
My 12-year-old little bitch ass ran so fast out of those woods, you couldn't even imagine the problem was I had to make my way up over huge rocks. I was getting so tired and nervous I could barely breath. Once I was out of the woods, I still had to run three, four blocks home. When I got home, I drank half a glass of juice. Almost made myself throw up. Never going in the woods again. It was an otherwise typical day on the trail. I was hiking with a few friends, enjoying the fresh air, the bird songs, and the rustle of leaves beneath our boots. We were making our way through a particularly scenic part of the trail when we encountered an elderly woman. She was in her 70s, leaning on a walking stick, her face weathered but shining with a warm smile. Oh, well, hello again, she greeted us, her voice a cheerful chirp. We exchanged confused glances among ourselves. None of us recognized her. We'd been hiking for hours and hadn't come across any other hikers. Perhaps she was a bit senile, we reasoned, mistaking us for other hikers she had met earlier. We returned her greeting and continued on our way, the encounter quickly fading from our thoughts as we immersed ourselves back in our journey. About half an hour later, we were winding our way through a dense grove of pine trees when we spotted the same elderly woman coming towards us on the trail. She was still moving in the opposite direction, her walking stick tapping rhythmically against the rocky path. This time, she simply said, Hi, as she passed us, that same warm smile on her face. We stopped in our tracks, exchanging bewildered looks. It was physically impossible for her to have gotten ahead of us on the trail. She had been moving in the opposite direction both times we encountered her, and there were no shortcuts or intersecting paths she could have taken. Was it possible that we had experienced a temporal anomaly of some sort? A wormhole or a rip in the fabric of time, perhaps? The explanation seemed ludicrous, yet the reality of our encounter was undeniable. That night, as we sat around our campfire, we discussed the strange incident. We came up with all sorts of theories, from the plausible to the downright absurd. Yet, we couldn't shake off the feeling that we had experienced something extraordinary, something inexplicable. The next morning, we packed up and continued our hike, half expecting to encounter the elderly woman again. But we never saw her for the rest of our journey. The memory of that day, however, has remained etched in our minds, a mysterious encounter on a lonely trail that turned an ordinary hike into an unforgettable adventure. For years now I have lived in a duplex located in a rural country town surrounded by thick, lush forests. It seems rather idyllic from an outside point of view, however, having lived here for so long, I cannot help but feel as though there is something dark creeping, stalking, and taunting our land. For example, I was in the woods one time with a friend of mine, exploring our vast property the two of us wandered to the property line, a wiry cow fence abutting a large field, when suddenly a small rock came whizzing by my head, barely missing me by an inch, and struck the aforementioned wire fence with such force that it caused a terrible, ear-piercing bang. It had come from directly behind me, which was all my property, so unless someone was trespassing, it couldn't have been anyone aside from family or my friend. But when I looked towards her, she stood still next to me, mouth ajar, just as confused as myself. Obviously, I asked if she had done it, though I had my doubts that she had because of her position, and she denied, saying she had witnessed the rock come from nowhere as well. We looked, and there was nobody not to mention, no footsteps crunching through the underbrush, which we certainly would have been able to hear if someone tried to make a swift escape. Spooky, right? Well, something even more terrifying happened last night, and I require advice. My dog, Bandit, a young German Shepherd Blue Healer mix, has a tendency to get rather skittish at night, especially with the windows and doors being open as of late to let in the cool evening air. Of course, living in the middle of nowhere surrounded by forest, we all assume that it's an animal of some kind. However, this could simply be me being paranoid and not knowing what I'm talking about. Whenever we look to see what he is sensing, there I'd absolutely nothing. 
no turkeys, no bears, no coyotes, nothing. We have never heard anything walking around in the woods, which you can hear everything out here, including the cows breaking twigs in the field next to us, and have even gone outside to check, but to no avail. So the other night, my parents were in bed and my sister, and I had recently come back in from a bonfire. My sister explained to me that she had a bad feeling out there due to the distant and sudden howling dogs from the property behind us, hence why she ushered us back inside. But I myself hadn't gotten the vibe, so I wasn't terribly spooked. Bandit began pacing around the house soon after we went inside, going up to a few windows and doors that overlooked our backyard so he could growl at something. Naturally, we both were curious, especially with my sister's bad feeling, so we flipped on the backlight and stepped out onto the back porch, scanning our field. From what we could see, there was nothing, but Bandit was staring towards where we were looking, his eyes and head following something across our yard-like. If he was smelling a distant animal, there's no reason why he would be tracking something, right? He began pacing, still growling menacingly, before I noticed that our fire pit was still alive with some embers, giving me a new anxiety to worry about causing a forest fire. Despite the eeriness, my sister agreed to join me outside to douse it, and naturally Bandit came along. We opened the back door and stepped out onto the second porch area, but Bandit froze at the top of the steps, staring out into the darkness. This behavior is super unusual for him since he absolutely loves going outside no matter the occasion, but for whatever reason he was scared into stillness. I myself was freaked out and said, screw the fire, let's go, but my sister had other plans. She lightly pushed his butt forward, gently coaxing him to continue on, and eventually he did, but not without making sure the both of us were right behind him. We were both shouting dumb things like, this is our land, be gone, and what not to keep ourselves cool and collected, which I think instigated whatever it was. Before we could take more than a few steps, Bandit began tweaking, suddenly jumping into the air and spinning around towards the darkness beneath our porch before scurrying away to hide beneath our glass table. Truly, I was expecting a bear or coyote to come charging, but even as I gathered all of my courage to look, there was absolutely nothing. My sister went ahead without me because I was frozen in fear, but even as I stood, I scoured our land with a sense of determination, and there was still nothing but us and the forest. In writing honestly, it doesn't sound terrifying, but just imagine being outside in the dark, then suddenly your otherwise brave and loyal dog leaps into the air and runs to hide because of something that you cannot see. Of course, once the fire was out, all three of us bolted inside, and as we did so, there were no pursuing footsteps, no howling, no growls, nothing. It truly was as if whatever it was tried to get to us through our beloved dog, and that was its only intention. Even as we entered our home, Bandit was freaked out, continuously growling, barking, and pacing our first floor. At one point even, as we were sitting on the couch later in the night, he began to growl at something outside of our open window, as if whatever it was circled the house. Now, feel free to call me a paranoid idiot if this is normal dog behavior, but I truly don't feel like it is, especially since I have dozens of other unexplained occurrences at this house. Animals don't just react like that for no reason, but perhaps a sound unheard by our human ears caused him to jump and hide. I don't know. I go shooting every year with two friends of mine in a very secluded area near a local national forest. It's far enough in that it requires an all-wheel drive vehicle in order to get to the cabin. We don't sleep in the cabin though. We sleep outside in tents since it's a bit nicer outside. And because my friend got bitten by a brown recluse inside of the cabin last year while trying to sleep. There are no other houses or people around for miles. We went to the cabin last year and spent our last full day in a large clearing we had found about 10 minutes from our site, shooting all different types of guns. We headed back towards the cabin just as dusk was setting in. As we're pulling in next to the cabin where we always park, 
My buddy abruptly stops the truck and stares to the line of trees just a foot from the driveway. Him, you have got to be kidding me. Me? What? Him? In the past two days, have either of you noticed that hanging there? I looked over to the line of trees, and the old skull of small medium-sized animal had been placed hanging off of the nub of a branch pointing directly towards our campsite. None of us had seen it before, and it was right where the truck had been parked before we left earlier in the day. It would have been extremely difficult to miss as my door would have nearly hit it as I got into the truck. We talked for a few minutes and decided that it probably hadn't been there before we left, but that there was nothing we could really do about it unless we just packed up and went home. We ended up staying the night in our tents, but I slept with one eye open and multiple loaded guns next to me thinking about how our campsite had been marked. Not too long ago, while hunting near Saddle Mountain close to Beatty, my hunting party had heard and smelled something eerie. Loud screams, not dissimilar to those of a large bear, echoed through the quiet woods. The eerie part was that there were no big bears in these parts. Those gut-wrenching screams were still etched in my memory, playing out like a nightmare I couldn't shake off. Then came the silence. The unsettling silence continued, the unusual smell growing stronger. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something move. It was a fleeting shadow at first, but as I focused my gaze, it became clear that it was a large, upright figure standing on the edge of the woods. It was massive, towering over the tallest trees, silhouetted against the faintly glowing evening sky. I squinted, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. The figure had a distinct, humanoid shape, but was covered head to toe in thick, dark fur. It stood there for a moment, its eyes glowing in the dim light, seemingly observing us. Bigfoot. It had to be. I kept my eyes on the creature until we safely backtracked. Although the encounter was brief and somewhat frightening, it was also utterly fascinating. My hunting troop told me that we needed to shoot it, but I was against such an idea. I think they're more human-like than we think. A couple weeks ago, my dad shared the below. My dad is about as down-to-earth and grounded as they get. Him, his then high school girlfriend, his best friend with girlfriend in tow, and another male friend would drive out to the back roads. The roads we're talking about are pretty desolate, could go through the night without seeing another car. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. They would randomly stop, put on some tunes, and do what teens do. This is the late 70s as reference. One night they stopped and were hanging out, when in the field about 500 yards away a total of five lights, shone spaced about 50 yards from each other and roughly 20 feet off the ground. My dad said they all just stared because the lights were so brilliantly bright, but really did not hurt the eyes. Roughly 15 seconds after being on, they went off without a sound. They all were discussing what it was when once again the lights came on again. This time they noticed three people, standing about 50 yards in front of the lights, just standing no movement. Lights turned back off. My dad said they were not scared since it seemed so far away from them. Lights go back on. The initial three people have moved up roughly 50 yards and there is now five more behind them, 50 yards, like bowling pin arrangement. Lights back off. At this point, while still kind of watching, my dad and his friends are packing up to nope out of there. The lights come back on, and there is the initial eight people still in the same position, but now one single person about 200 yards away right in the middle of the light spectrum. That was it, they floored it out of there. No one looked back and it was never spoken of amongst the friends. 
My dad said if it was some sort of production to spook five high schoolers, it was well accomplished. All this happened within a three five minute period of time as reference. I had to ask did you see the lights for a fourth time while driving away. He said they were all so shook up, they would not have even noticed did not want to see them again. This happened on a backwoods creepy highway road somewhere between Georgia and Florida in the 80s. My family has always been a Midwestern road trip family, since dad does not like flying. When I was a preteen, we took one of many road trips to Florida, and mom, dad both would drive for the entire 24 hours, just to stop to eat and take breaks gas. I have always been a light road sleeper and wake up for anything. The reason why this story sticks with me so well is that it is one of the only times I've seen both my parents show signs of being scared, something as a kid I really never saw. In the middle of the night I remember waking up to my parents talking about something in a concerning tone. The windows were open since we were far enough south now to be out of crappy November Midwest weather. Once I wake up, they both stop talking so I sit up thinking they were arguing or something and that I stopped it. I look out the window and see nothing, just like trees and fields, the moon and electrical poles. But nothing, no houses, no other cars, nothing, nothing, nothing. I ask where we are and my mom actually says, I don't know. So now I'm really like WTF. I say, are we lost? And they both just say nothing. And then I hear music like our car radio playing, but it's coming from outside. Just loud enough like it's a car next to us, but we are the only car on the road. But not loud enough to make out the exact song, it's just music. And my parents are listening to it too, all quiet. So I say, where is that music coming from? And there is a pause and my mom finally says, I don't know. So I say, is it our radio? And my mom says no. And then suddenly my dad says very, very calmly, wife, roll up your window. And my mom practically has a heart attack getting the window rolled up. I went back to sleep somehow, but I had no idea what was happening and my dad drove faster. On the same trip, we saw a couple with a trailer hitching up a car behind them, but it was hitched up in a way that it looked like an invisible person was driving. My parents thought that was so hilarious and then redirected any mention of the phantom music to that part of my trip. So I've never fully gotten 100% the true story. I hope you enjoyed. I have other weird forest creepy encounters too if you would like more. When I was younger, I worked as a ranger in a Georgia park. Most of my nights were spent instructing people not to leave out offerings for bears and other animals. But every now and again, I got a call about rowdy teens or even rowdier adults. It was a thankless job, but dealing with the public often was. One night, as I leaned back in my chair, trying to stay awake by listening to a podcast, the phone rang. Normally, I relished the action. The night shift was miserable without it but it was freezing cold outside tonight and I had no registered campers. The last thing I wanted to do was leave the central heating of my post to go and hunt down a group of kids that ran off to make out in the woods. Frustrated before I had the chance to say hello, I brought the phone to my ear, waiting for somebody to say something. However, no matter how I called out to the other person, there was only heavy breathing in response. Nothing like a good old-fashioned prank call to make me hate youth, just a bit more than I already did. I hung up, resuming my podcast content to doze off until morning. But the prank caller had other plans. They called four times, only ever breathing heavier into the receiver. By the fifth call, my patience was at its end. I answered with a sharp, what? Only to have it steamrolled by crying and begging a muddled voice that was nearly indecipherable. I don't remember how long I spent trying to calm her down before she finally choked something out. By the river, please help. The line went dead because why wouldn't it have? And then nobody else called. All efforts to call her back were met with the telltale ring of a busy phone line. 
but by the river was too vague. The river stretched through most of the park. It would take hours to comb the area on my own. But when I realized it was my line that was cut, I had no other choice. I grabbed my shotgun off the wall, hoping almost desperately that it was just a bear taking a break from hibernation to hassle a woman for her peanut butter sandwich and not another psychopath. Hello, is anybody out there? I stood on the doorstep with my ear to the wind, hoping to get some kind of clue for what direction to head off into. I was met with silence. I heaved a sigh of defeat and chose a direction at random. When I found her, I swore I'd give her a good old piece of my mind. And not only was it freezing, but the trails were pretty clear about not getting near the river. They were endless, deadly combinations lurking within their depths. And some said the danger did not solely lie beneath the water. Some said that the gray woman walked along the banks, crying out for help in an effort to lead compassionate bystanders into the water. A story I didn't necessarily believe, but it was entertaining nevertheless. The stories my co-workers came up with never ceased to tickle me. I was about 30 minutes away from the ranger station when I stepped on something squelching beneath my boots. It was hard to make out in the darkness, but as I knelt down before the mass, I realized exactly what I was dealing with. Someone's wet clothes sat in a heap, discarded in a hurry in an effort to warm up after falling in, and the ice was rarely thick enough to bounce an acorn off, let alone pretend to be capable of holding a human's weight. So I can only wonder how anybody could have gotten so soaked. Even if they'd slid down the bank, there was no way they'd been submerged the way these garments suggested. I was about to start searching for blood trails when a voice came from the trees. It was nothing more than a hiss, but it sent my heart into overdrive. My first instinct was to haul it back to where I came from, to leave the whispers behind once and for all. But the shotgun in my hand was more than capable of turning a human into Swiss cheese, so I pushed forward. I called into the trees, demanding that the person hiding amongst the leafless branches come out with their hands up. When nothing happened, I called again, this time warning them that I'd shoot if they did not say something. Stop screaming. She'll hear. The voice from the trees didn't seem to understand the concept of packing heat. I could only wonder if she was in the throes of a psychotic break, and there was nothing else out there after all. Yet, she was huddled amongst the vegetation, whimpering about some mysterious she. I was moments from threatening her with the cops when I heard the same voice from over the phone. It was just as hysterical as it had been, just as watery and hard to understand. If not for the icy hand on my wrist, I'd have followed the voice of the person I'd originally gone searching for. It was my job to help those in need on the trail, and I had no reason to hesitate. But the woman's hold was unbreakable in that moment, and her hissed warning to stay still made me think twice. I tried to help her, the woman told me. Her face was a breath away from my own, but she was as cold as the rocks along the river's edge. The heat that radiated from living beings was completely missing in her. But my attention went elsewhere as the voice called for help again. And if you don't want to end up like me, you'll go back the way you came. I had no idea what to account for. I could only assume this was the poltergeist of a woman who had passed. My mind raced with possibilities, each one more unsettling than the last. I had no intention of becoming a ghostly apparition haunting the park, trapped in eternal torment. With a mix of fear and determination, I made the difficult decision to heed the warning. I turned on my heels, retracing my steps through the treacherous trails. The whispers and eerie voices that had accompanied me throughout the night seemed to fade away, as if the park itself was releasing me from its clutches. As I reached the ranger station, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief wash over me. I may not have found the woman who called for help, but I had survived the encounter with whatever haunted those woods. And that was enough for now. Days turned into weeks, and the incident became a haunting memory. I continued my duties as a park ranger, but with a newfound respect for the unknown that lurked within the wilderness. I often wondered about the mysterious caller, the woman by the river, and the voice that warned me to turn back. Was it all a figment of my imagination, 
a manifestation of the park's dark history? Or was there something truly sinister dwelling within its depths? Regardless, I knew one thing for certain. The park held secrets that were best left undisturbed. And as I patrolled the fog-laden trails, I couldn't help but feel a shiver down my spine, a reminder that some mysteries were meant to remain unsolved. I was camping and hiking in the Okfenoki Swamp. We, my girlfriend and me, were far from being the only ones there. But when we woke up one morning, we took a canoe out in the swamp to explore. It was early. There was a thick layer of fog resting just atop the water. The whole swamp was completely still. No animals in sight at all. We paddled down the waterway for a while and saw nothing else. Not a single person. Not a bird. Not anything. We didn't hear a single sound. We had just cornered a bend in the swamp and we hear it. The loudest guttural bellow I had ever heard in my life. I could feel it echo through my chest. A true dinosaur sound. We stopped paddling and looked at each other a little creepet out. We knew it was an alligator, but we had never heard one that loud. We both looked behind the canoe and behind us the backs and eyes of at least 20 alligators had risen. They had just surfaced out of nowhere. We slowly start to paddle forward and we hear more bellows. They came from all around us. In front, behind, to the sides, sounds emanating from the bush-covered banks. Each glance behind us we saw more eyes appear. More scaled mounds breaking the water's surface. From the banks in front we would catch tails sliding into the water. Ripples of these huge reptiles broke the water all around us. We looked back again as we paddled faster. Easily forty alligators behind us now, and we began to see them appear in front. Ten, fifteen huge lizards seemingly blocking our path. Then, one of the largest alligators I have ever seen surfaces right where my paddle was going down. I hit the beast on the back of the head and the thrash he made was incredible. When his massive head hit the side of the small canoe, I thought we were going in the water. Water came into the canoe as the side dipped down. The beast disappeared below the boat and we held steady. We paddled forward as fast as we could right into the dotted landscape of scales and eyes. Behind us, that same guttural roar echoed through my body. As we cut through the field of eyes and backs, we started to see the path clear. The huge monster that had almost capsized us bellowed one last time. We turned as we made it past the last of the animals, and we could see the monster staring at us, watching us leave. All the other alligators began to sink to the water's floor. The big guy stayed there watching until he was satisfied we had gone, I guess. Then he disappeared without a sound, back into the black murky depths of the swamp. We banked the canoe further up the waterway, got out and just sat around for a while taking in what had just happened. This happened back in 2018, but it still frightens me whenever I think about it. Me and a friend wanted to hang out. We come from a very small, boring town with not much to do. We decided that we wanted to eat at Chipotle, then walk over to the only shopping center available in our town. The walk to the shopping center wasn't bad. Chipotle was about five minutes away, and the overall area is pretty safe. Me and my friend were walking along the sidewalk that connects all the shops, but we were on the less populated side near a bookstore with lots of overgrown woods and grass surrounding the back of the building. We were goofing around taking stupid photos like freshman girls do when an older couple drove up to us in a van. The woman driving said, I just wanted to let you know that strange man parked over there has been following you around and it seemed like he was taking photos. We looked not far across the lot and saw a single van parked purposely secluded from other cars with a man staring right at us. He didn't even try to hide the fact that he was clearly singling us out. We were 14 and 15 at the time, so neither of us had a license. We had gotten dropped off by a parent. We told the woman thank you and immediately started sprinting into Target, since that was the area with the most people. We sat in the food court area and waited to get picked up. 
While we were sitting there, we noticed the man who was watching us had followed us inside the store and was standing alone in front of the woman's restroom, awkwardly fidgeting. I'm not one to judge, but since he was clearly up to no good, he was older and the definition of a creep. He looked dirty and was wearing an oversized outfit. Luckily, we were safe, and we were extremely thankful for the woman that warned us. I couldn't even count the amount of times we thanked her. I don't even like to think about what could have happened if that woman didn't warn us and we didn't go inside that target. The story I'm about to share was related to me by a good friend, a regular deer hunter. The encounter he described, I'll admit, still sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it. It was late autumn, the perfect time for deer hunting. He'd headed into the woods by himself early one morning, bound for his deer stand. The crunch of leaves underfoot and the crisp morning air filled him with a sense of thrill only a true hunter can understand. He was about a half mile from his destination when a spine-tingling sound froze him in his tracks. The distant howls of what seemed to be two wolves echoed through the trees, no more than a hundred yards out. The hair on the back of his neck stood on end, and an icy shiver raced down his spine. Every instinct screamed at him to abandon his hunting trip. Forgetting his initial plans, he turned tail, making a mad dash back toward the main road where he had parked his car. His breath came in short, ragged gasps as he sprinted, the undergrowth crunching loudly under his frantic steps. After what felt like an eternity, but was probably no more than two minutes, he realized he was being pursued. The howls were louder, closer now, an eerie serenade that quickened his pace. He burst onto the main road, his heart pounding in his chest like a war drum. Glancing over his shoulder, he saw two large shapes lurking just at the edge of the woods, their eyes reflecting the weak dawn light. They were wolves, massive and ominous, but their stance was almost human-like, upright and eerily similar to that of a man. He had heard stories of the dogman, a creature with the body of a man and the head of a wolf, but he had always dismissed them as pure myth. Now he wasn't so sure. The creatures, whether they were wolves or something else, refused to venture onto the road, retreating into the shadows as he staggered to his car. They were indeed smart creatures, knowing their boundaries. He watched them fade back into the darkness, the realization of how terrifyingly close he had come to becoming their prey sinking in. He relayed this story to me, his eyes wide and still filled with the raw fear of that encounter. Even though I was not there myself, the vivid description, the terror in my friend's voice, made it feel all too real. Now, every time I hear a wolf's howl or find myself alone in the woods, I can't help but think of his chilling encounter. My mother and I live in Southern Oregon and have had multiple encounters with cryptids, the first being what we believe was Wolfman. The second was some humanoid with wings, it walked across our roof and flew down in front of our neighbor's house, landed on two feet, and just casually walked away. It sounded like it was wearing boots while it walked across our roof and hit the pavement. The wings sounded like Bateman's capist description we could come up with. None of them felt menacing until now. We were driving home from Vegas and finally hit Susanville for gas and a snack. It was around midnight Saturday night. A few miles northwest of Susanville on the 44 we started seeing a lot of wildlife, so I was driving cautiously and had my eyes peeled for deer. I saw what I thought was a deer on the side of the road and slowed down to slow roll, about 30 miles per hour. It was huge and had long stilt-like legs. The front legs were spread really wide, so I slowed down more trying to process what I was seeing. Its head was down eating, as we got closer it turned to look at us. The neck was thick and elongated. As it swung its head towards us, we saw its face. It wasn't quite a deer face. I didn't see ears and the nose PR mouth was elongated as well, almost like an anteater. Its eyes reflected red in my headlights. We both basically screamed and jumped back from the side window we were looking through. I swerved and sped away. Looking into its eyes was absolutely unnerving. 
A not deer was the first thing that came to mind, but I honestly have no idea what we saw. Has anyone else seen something similar or have any idea of what we might have seen? Thank you for taking the time to read this. I haven't told this to anyone but my brother because he knows where this place is. There are remote cypress swamps along the Pearl River in central Mississippi, and some of them become inaccessible due to flooding during hunting season. The remoteness of some of these places create ideal situations for a hunter willing to put in the extra effort, and I have hunted these woods and swamps for years and know them well. Even though it's a bad idea, when I was younger I was confident enough to hunt back in there alone. One afternoon during duck season, a front was coming in, and I knew if I could get to Deal Island that it would be a good day. I put on my chest waders and rode my four-wheeler down an overgrown logging trail in the swamp to the edge of the flood. I waded a couple of sloughs and got to a particular honey hole where I could slay them. I did, and it was good. But when it came time to wade back out, I got a sense of unease that I could not explain. The weather was odd because even though the temp was dropping and a front was expected, everything was absolutely still and quiet. If you have ever been alone in a swamp at night, you will know what I mean. But everything is different when you can only see what's in the cone of light from your flashlight. I wasn't worried because my light was good and hell, I was carrying a 12-gauge shotgun. But still, something kept making the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I was being watched and I could feel it. Sound carries funny in the swamp, but the sloshing noises I was making was the only thing I could hear. It was echoing back to me in funny ways, and when I stopped to adjust the strap on the bag of decoys, the sloshing echo did not stop when it should have. Okay, there is something else in the swamp. No big deal. Some deer or hog will realize I am human in a minute and move away. Except it didn't. I would move for a bit and then stop and listen. The sound of something else out there would also stop, but it was getting closer. Not normal. The cone of my flashlight made the trees and tangled brush cast long, scraggly shadows that moved with me as I tried to hurry out of the swamp. My knuckles were turning white on that Remington 870, and I was wishing it was loaded with something heftier than number two steel shot. I noticed a very bad smell, like skunk except much worse, and stopped again to listen and shine my light around. I noticed how the shadows continued to move, but holy crap, I'm not moving, why are the goddamn shadows moving? A limb snapped and when I spun around to face it, something that was not there made a soft hissing noise. The beam of my light just ended in a shape of nothingness that was not there. A breath of stench hit my face and I heard that hissing sound again and I got the F out of that swamp. I was shaking and drenched in sweat when I got back to the truck, and those woods did not feel like my woods anymore. When I say it was something that was not there, that is the only way I can describe it. My light hit it, and there was shadow behind it, but there was nothing there. Something in that swamp scared the crap out of me, and I do not want to know what it was.